You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. So quick disclaimer, this morning we are going to be talking about marriages. And if there are children in the room or maybe teenagers in the room, we are going to be uh, dealing with some uh, mature content, some, some marriage uh, content. And so if it's not appropriate for your child or your young teenager or, or whatever, I guess teenagers probably okay, but that, just giving parents warning before we begin the service, we are going to address some adult content. And so we have children's ministry available for your kids and make sure that you take advantage of that. How many ready to get into it today? All right. Good morning. So this morning we are sharing on fortifying and strengthening relationships. I have a little bit of ringing in the monitors. Uh, in the previous years, we have um, focused a lot, even on our own personal story, on sexual sin and temptation. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a shift and sharing other parts um, of our, our personal testimony in our marriage. But the focus this year is building relationships and building your marriage. And so we are so excited because we have spent hours in planning and even have a gift that we're going to be giving uh, away that we believe that this, this year your marriage is going to be the strongest it has ever been and it's going to continue to be strengthened and fortified. Amen? So All right. Really today is about stewarding the prophetic word over the house. So in January, when we released uh, the prophetic words, one of them that was that relationships would be strengthened and fortified. How many would say amen to that? And that marriages would become strong and it would be the strongest they've ever been. And the same attacks of the enemy would not work. We released prophetic words that there'd be strong families. There would be uh, intentional kingdom relationships and your spouse would be first. And so we really believe that today is going to be different than even past times where we've uh, sat down and talked about marriages because really what we're doing is we're stewarding a prophetic word. So here's, here's what you need to understand is there's already an invitation from the Lord on your marriage to partner with this prophetic word for it to be the strongest it's ever been. You should be excited about that because this isn't just random advice that may or may not help your marriage. The Lord is inviting us in after a 40-day fast, after we focused on being with him for 40 days, to now come in with the momentum of a fast to now begin to strengthen and fortify our marriages. Come on, who would say amen to that? So before we strengthen them, let's make fun of them. And it doesn't matter how awesome or spiritual your relationship is. Heather and I have a very spiritual relationship, um, but we irritate the living daylights out of each other. And one of the wonderful thing about marriages, especially you, is that more it's than this me. unique thing that there's no one on the planet that you love more and who irritates you more at the same True. time. It's really wild how that works. And so uh, I, I wanted to talk about just some of my, our pet peeves that we have because uh, we, we want strong marriages, but there's no such thing as perfect marriages. Well, we're going to stay brief, though, because I feel like... But I feel like this will we minister to people. All, I think you just said all pet peeves. We would need 
I guess, Mercy Culture third and fourth service. So we'll just keep it brief. Probably my greatest pet peeve with my wife has to do with car keys. Because it doesn't matter where we designate the car keys to be, like the location where we place them when we're not in the car. Honey. They never get there. That key bin that I wrote key on. Can I get any amens? Okay, oh, I feel like, did you second. feel it? Like hold men on. were ministered to right that there. That key bin that I wrote keys on, you have stuffed everything in there other than keys. Okay, we're going to go back and forth one at a time. Cards, there are candy, there is gum, there is no room for any keys in the key bin. Are you done? No. What's our next pet hold on. Speaking that we're going to unpack of no right room. <laughs> if the keys are not in the key bin where they belong, they are in your purse. And I swear, her purse is like the final test on Indiana Jones where you have to stick your hand into something. Or like on Fear Factor where they're blindfolded and they gotta stick their hand into something and they don't know what. Like you will never know what is in there. Darling. But at the bottom will be the keys. Wait. Is this the only mess that you don't have to worry about in the house? Because if I was about to unpack messes and piles and scary things, it's next to your bed, it's at the end of the bed, it's the wet towels, it is the sink, it is your closet, it is your car, it is the back of your Ma'am, car. Ma'am, why are you raising Has your hand like you're praising the Lord? open up the back of their husband's truck? That you're like, how long has this dirty sock been alive in the back of the truck? Speaking of towels, Four. my next pet peeve. I can't even believe that you went down that road. Is all of the items that we purchased that I'm not allowed to use. That's right. We I just have broke more pillows <laughs> that I can't use than ones I can use. I don't understand that after you're done washing your hands, when you dry them on a towel, it's brown. <laughs> I don't understand. There's soap, honey. Use the soap when you wash your hands and then you can dry your All hands. All right, one on more funny towel. story. So we got in a fight recently because she kept telling me to shut my, or an argument, whatever you want to call it, a spiritual disagreement. Yeah, we fought. And she kept telling me to shut my closet door. So she wants our closet door. She has a closet door and I have a closet door. So she wants our closet door shut. And so I'm shut like, the door. no big deal. But then I started noticing hers was always open. See, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm like, the trying to search. The hypocrisy. You know, when, when you have that, that demonic taunting that's just trying to find a weakness, but it's that hard for hold you on. to search. And every time, for a while. every time I walked by her closet door, it was open. And one day she said something, I was like, you know what? You never shut your closet door. And then I realized her closet door didn't work. The hinge was broken. I said, honey, I shut yours and mine as, clo as slowly as possible to keep that door shut. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll work on, continue to work on our marriage. I would ask you to fix that hinge, but you don't fix anything. They're my tools, they're not your tools. <laughs> How long are we going into pet peeves? I said we I can We need a transition after that. <laughs> anyway, not perfect. We're working on strengthening our marriage. Let's, let's get off of our marriage and get onto theirs. <laughs> there, there's that is easier to fix. Joy 
Joy, what you're you're about to minister a sermon called what is it called? Joy based warfare. Joy based warfare. And what is beautiful is you have to be able to laugh off things in marriage. And there are too many intense things that are happening all around us in the world all of the time. And if you cannot laugh off things in your marriage, you are going to begin to war each other instead of being a team to take on the onslaughts of the enemy that is going and is coming after your marriage and your family. And so it's something that we love to do of just, if you know us close, this is not a performance from the platform. This is who we are in meetings, in board meetings, at home, is we are best friends. We tease each other, we laugh. And so uh, we wanted to share this part of who we are to make sure that you are not taking too many things too seriously at home and loving on each other, laughing and letting things go. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you guys submitted some questions and we're going to get through a few of them. uh, But do social media and text questions. You submitted some questions. So we're going to answer some of your questions about marriage. Okay, so we're going, we're, we're jumping in the, into the deep end like Mercy Culture Let's does. Let's go. Okay, what to do if my husband isn't spiritually leading our household? We hear this a lot, and I just want to speak to men for a moment. Um, man up. I find it interesting that the moment you're passionate about leading in all of these areas in your life, being successful in business, successful in different areas. Uh, You got your power ties, you got your motivation, all of this stuff. But then when it comes to leading in our homes, we become soft and we don't step into it. And it's almost like you go and lead outside your home. And then when you get home, you stop leading. And the very first place that you must be leading is leading yourself. You lead yourself spiritually. And then after you lead yourself spiritually, then you begin to lead your wife spiritually. Then you begin to lead your children spiritually. And if you notice, they're doing a fantastic job in the world of making men feminine. They celebrate Feminine men. Just look at who they posted pictures of after the Grammys and award shows. It's men wearing dresses. And what you're seeing is, is you're seeing a spirit of perversion. You're seeing an antichrist spirit. You're seeing a celebration. A prophet said in Isaiah that men will celebrate or call what is evil good and good evil. That is what you're seeing in the world. You're hearing words like toxic masculinity, other phrases like that. You're seeing a, a, a woman's movement rise that, that isn't empowering women. It's destroying all women. It's destroying the family. And what you're seeing is, is you're seeing men not spiritually lead across the board. And what's wonderful thing about this house is that we empower women in ministry. I don't know if I've ever seen a church ever that has more women leading that are powerhouse women leading as we do in mercy culture. Come on, you can put your hands together about that. But what it takes for that to happen in order is strong men championing women behind the scenes. And so this is something that happens all throughout mercy culture is so many godly men that are leading at home and then they're able to champion their wives. But it's time for for more of you to step up. Come on, uh, men, just let me hear you say man up. And so 
When we spiritually lead, it doesn't mean we're weak, even though we may be tender. Because the greatest warrior who ever walked the face of the earth was a, a man named David. But he was also known as one of the greatest worshipers. He was also the one that would humiliate himself in front of other people who would remove the pride of his king, uh, kingly robes and would worship undignified or with everything he has. And so what it has to come down to is, is an understanding of men. Look at this doesn't make you soft. This doesn't make you uh, weak. But being tender before the Lord is a beautiful thing. I rarely cry. Almost never unless I'm in the presence of the Lord. And then when I'm in the presence of the Lord, I love it. And I don't hide it. And I don't wipe it away. And I'm not embarrassed by it. Because what it does is it shows me that my heart is tender before the Lord. And so, men, it's so important that your wife sees you worship. That your children see you worship that you are leading behind the scenes in your home. It is so important. So uh, if you don't want your wife nagging you, if you don't want your wife, you know, saying things like you're supposed to be the leader, well, she wouldn't have to say those things ever if you led. I'm gonna read one scripture and then I'll let Heather answer this. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. 11, 3. Thank you. 11, 3 says, but I want you to understand the head of every man is Christ. And the head of a wife is her husband. Usually when you hear this read in church, you hear the head of every wife is a husband. And yes, that's true. But if you're gonna be the head of your home, then Christ has to be the head of you. You have to be passionately following him so that you can effectively lead your family. And so I just want you to think, husbands out there, is how does Christ lead you? Does he lead you in dominance and in control and control everything that you say and do? Or is he a good father that compassionately loves you, forgives you, empowers you, anoints you in gifts, answers prayers? And so in the same way that Christ leads you, you have the most perfect and beautiful example in how to be the head of your wife and your household. So I wanted to speak to the women in the room that may have identified with this question. And I think one of the worst things that you can do, which Landon brought up, is to nag or to put down your husband and to continue to declare who he's not. If the word of God says that there is power in the tongue or power in what we say and declare, you are declaring the wrong thing over your husband. And how does he be begin to grow or become the man of God when you're speaking curses over him constantly? When you're speaking negativity over your children's father and in front of them consistently. So you have to begin to be, be that woman that builds up her husband, that builds up your household by what you declare and what you speak. I remember that there was a time in our relationship 
earlier on in marriage that you were not leading our household well. And there was a lot of different areas that you uh, were not leading well in. And so we would get in these arguments consistently. And then I just got tired of the arguments. I think one of them was over our kids' names. And I felt like I had heard the Lord and he had some atrocious names. Like, praise the Lord, Lord, you were on my side. But um, so what I began to do was what we call in our marriage, because it's funny, I began to tattle on him to the Lord. I began to go into my room or into my prayer closet and I begin to pray and talk to the Lord instead of going to him and saying, you're wrong, I'm right, this is it. I began to go to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is what I hear. This is what I feel. When I prayed over my children, these are the names. I felt like you gave vision and meeting behind these names. He's not hearing it. And I began to tattle on my husband and talk to the Lord. And I remember specifically in going with a story where we went on a family walk and we're walking around this like large pond and he looks at me and he squeezes my hand. He goes, are you tattling on me to the Lord about our children's names? And I was like, ah, why? And he's like, because the Lord spoke to me this morning. Those are our children's names. And I just had tears that began to stream down my face because it came through a beautiful moment of unity where the Lord softened and changed my husband's heart. And it wasn't over a fight. It wasn't over negotiations. Well, you have this if I have this. It came through unity because the presence of God began the center of this conversation. And so I would encourage the women in this room and even the husbands, if there are areas that you have not come into unity on, instead of going at it and expounding all of this energy, all of this frustration that breaks down trust, begin to pray and talk to the Lord and allow the presence of God to bring you into unity. Amen. You said something so powerful, and this is great practical advice, is your words are powerful. And your words of affirmation and encouragement are the most powerful over your spouse. This is huge. No one has the ability to speak more powerful words over a husband than his wife. And no one has the ability to speak more powerful words over a wife than her husband. And you need to be intentional about the words that you speak over each other. And so when you begin to declare over each other who they are rather than who they're not, it builds them up. And a lot of times what we do is we take our weaknesses or things that we're struggling with or things that we're not doing well and we're like, you're not this, you're not this, you're not doing this good, you're not doing this. And what it does, it just begins to break down the fiber of our marriage. It begins to just chip away at the core of our strength. But it's interesting because honor, you know, honor is one of our, our values here at Mercy Culture and honor means to assign heaven's value. And most of us do not honor our spouses well. What we do is we say, you're not this, and we assign their current behavior versus saying, hey, 
this is who God's saying you are. Hey, this is what God's word says about you. Hey, this is who I know that you're called to be. And you begin to honor them or assign heaven's value. If you could begin to, instead of tearing each other down or instead of highlighting weaknesses, they're obvious. If you could begin to just speak over them, encouraging biblical words, you will see your marriage transform by what you speak. I also, so want, I also want to give one other important piece of advice. It's really, really important is if you guys want to be in sync spiritually, you have to go to the same church. It's good. And it is shocking how many couples go to different churches. So that means if you're a wife and you're here because you like the worship and the freedom, but your husband's not here with you, but you want him to spiritually lead, but you're not with him spiritually, this is a problem. And you will not see the unity in your marriage that you want to. So if you're in that situation, go and share your heart with your spouse, pray about it, but you must come into unity if you wanna see your relationship spiritually thrive. So good. Okay, how do I be authentic with my spouse on what I'm struggling with? I think it's really important that you have 100% conversations. And so many times we hold back because we are afraid of the response rather than focusing on the results. Where you think if you're honest what you're struggling with, your spouse will think less of you or they'll wanna give up on your marriage or something else bad will happen if you're honest. But here's the thing is that you're actually not gonna grow past this. You're not gonna see victory in your marriage until you're honest. Yeah, I, I would say this, don't wait to be caught. And I don't know what it is, but I know that the enemy tempts all of us. So every single person in this room has a temptation or a struggle. And the Lord put the two of you together as one flesh. You're gonna hear this word a lot that we say today, but unity. How are you coming into unity as one flesh if you are keeping things and hiding things from each other? I wanna expose a lie that the enemy says all the time. Well, you will hurt them too badly if you share that with them. So you should keep it from them. So is the continual lie that you're living in that is breaking up your marriage, breaking down the unity, is that better for your marriage than just swallowing your pride and going forth and confessing like what James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so this is why the enemy comes to bring uh, all of those lies and word curses against you from being authentic and building trust in your marriage. Uh, and so I would encourage everybody in this room, a lot of you are like, okay, this is heavy already this morning. It's beautiful because we're, we're gonna be a house of freedom and we can't individually be uh, men and women of freedom. Our marriages have to be free. And so when you're walking in freedom, you should be sharing with your spouse what is God doing in you? What is he setting you free in your mind, in your body, in your heart for so that you are celebrating that together? And part of that celebration is when the other spouse is coming to be authentic and to share something hard. I understand it is hard for the other person to be hearing and receiving those words. 
but you are going to have to position yourself, have the fruit of the spirit to be able to celebrate repentance, to be able to celebrate the truth and authenticity. If it is a blow up and a scream and a fight and going back and declaring those word curses again, is that an inviting place for your spouse to come and be honest with you about? And so I, I want, you know, I feel like we just actually hit so many of our values from trust, celebration, forgiveness, Coming in humility to be able to confess these things is operating in the culture of this house. And so many of you love this house because, not that it's perfect, but because it's healthy. When you begin to operate in the values of this house in your marriage, your marriage, the promise isn't that it's going to be perfect but it is going to become healthy. And so women, I wanna encourage you just before, I know you probably have some things to share. If your husband has to come share some hard things, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to weep, but you have to be a woman that is strong enough to be able to celebrate the authenticity and the repentance when your husband is coming and sharing things with you and vice versa because women struggle. I would put it in perspective like this. How did Jesus respond to you when you repented to him? Just imagine you coming to Jesus with your sin and he's like, not again. You said it was the last time two times ago. But we do these things, right? And, and, and then we think about it. This is, how, this is how Jesus responds to us. Scripture says this, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. Do you know what mercy means? Undeserved kindness. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's just mercy. It's how Jesus responded to us. And if you are going to see Jesus be glorified in your marriage, then you need to respond to each other like Jesus responds to you. I would encourage you, celebrate honesty. Because here's the truth, and this is one of the lies that the enemy would tell you. And so I'm going to say this softly. You actually can never be in unity ever in your marriage when you're holding on to lies. Mm -hmm. yes. And not until you come with truth yes. and repentance and humility can you actually find and experience the power of unity. So some, some practical advice. We have a few pieces of practical advice. One thing that Landon and I... Um, Always, I've, we've done this, I believe, for over a decade. You've shared it here multiple times, but we don't work on our marriage when we're in an argument. We never get in arguments, do we? The goal of an argument <laughs> is to get out of it with the least damage as possible. <laughs> like you start working on your marriage when you're fighting, you're like, and you, like it's not the Bring time. Bring up things from five years ago. It's don't not do the time that. to do it, okay? Just get out, back out is, is just peace. Just make peace. Just love each other. Remember you love each other. Work on your marriage when yeah. you go on marriage retreats. We'll talk about that later. Dates. Dates. And in beautiful moments where there's joy, where there's peace, in those moments begin to work on your marriage. Another piece of practical advice, no name calling. 
honor one another in heated conversations to not damage each other. One of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And in those heated moments, your mouth should not be a, a firing squad of do, 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 do. Let me think of all of the things right now, of all the hardest things to say to this in individual to hurt them so that then they'll submit to what I'm saying. Like, has that ever worked well for you guys? It's never worked well. And so remember, it is a small moment in time of forever with one another. So why go and declare horrible names, say horrible things? It's gonna take so much more energy to have to forgive and to make that, that progress back. That's great, last question. Um, oh, we had, okay. So whose career, this is a, this is a good one that we, we chose because I think that this is happening a lot nowadays with men and women both working or answering the call of God um, and both operating a ministry together. So whose career takes priority over the other when both need the support? Teamwork. Teamwork. So um, if this is your household where you are, you're both working full-time or you're both in ministry, which is work, full-time, e either one, which is happening a lot nowadays, um, there has to be a shift in a mindset that it's not solely on mom to care for sick kids and laundry and all the different things, all of the needs. Uh, Landon and I, we both work and support each other uh, full-time. And so we are a team at home, a full on team with our children. We're gonna break this down more in just a second, but uh, I have loved watching the Maros operate in this, Pastor Seth and Kaylee Morrow. Um, I, there's been many moments when we're in a meeting and Kaylee has shared, uh, Sonny is sick today. And I said, oh, do you need to leave the meeting? No, Seth took her home because he knew that I had this meeting and I've been preparing and setting up and leading this meeting. So Seth took her home today. And it's so beautiful because what he is saying to his wife is I honor the call of God I honor the ministry and the work that God has entrusted you with. And so what? They had a conversation to come into unity to see whose work day best supported their family. Uh, and so Landon's and I advice for and counsel would be work together as a team. Don't say over one or the other, I'm more important or what I am doing is more important than the other. And if this is something that is consistent or you have little ones, consider having a couple of babysitters or a nanny that doesn't replace mom or dad in the home but is an, adapted, an, uh, an addition to the help to serve your household so that there's not that tension on both of you fulfilling what you believe that God has called you to both do. You know, great teams communicate well. And one thing that's really helped us communicate well is we do a weekly meeting where we go over calendar and schedule because nothing irritates me more than when she planned something I didn't know about. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Okay. Nothing irritates me more when I've had something on the calendar for a long time that you didn't look at and you didn't. We already went through the pet peeves, darling. We okay. already went through the pet peeves. Keep going. Can you see that there's been a few contentious conversations in the past? So what we found is we love each other and we don't want to be irritated. So what helps us not be irritated and stay in unity and peace and work together is to, com to communicate. And so we're communicating about the week, we're communicating about the month, and we're communicating about the year on a regular basis. So for years, I was a, um, 
uh, a traveling evangelist. And there was always the one person who was the last on the flight that was trying to get their luggage on and it didn't fit. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you're slowing it down. Just check it. They're all full. Every one of them's closed and they're going by and opening up and turn it sideways. And we're like, dude, you're slowing everything down. And here's the thing is the last people on don't get their luggage on. The, there's going to be things that just don't fit on the calendar. So you prioritize the important things and then let other things get off. And so uh, I want, one more thing on priorities and we'll get to the next subject is, is priorities are change. And so it says whose, whose career is, is, is more important or, or the priority, there might be one that's more important this week. It might be one that's more important this day. It might be one that's more important this season. But what we're doing is we're saying, okay, how do we win together? How do we make sure that we're both supported, we both are communicating, and let's win together. When you stop working against each other and you start working with each other, you'll see great momentum in your marriage. Yeah, Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so every day should be, how can I serve my husband? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my family? There's hundreds of scriptures on this in the word of God. If our marriages are built on the truth, the word of God, the presence is the center. I'll tell you, just begin to study. You will see over and over it say, serve one another. Okay, let's work on strengthening marriages now. The, re the remainder of the service, we're gonna focus on strategically strengthening marriages. And so we wanted to uh, talk about just creating awareness that there is a demonic attack on marriages. Yeah. And the reason why is because the devil hates them. Yes. Because they mimic the Trinity. Yeah. Your marriage reflects God. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and in a marriage, two come together and become one, bound together with the Holy Spirit. It is, it is besides the church, the only institution that reflects the Godhead like that. Yes. So there's a demonic attack. There's an attack on redefining marriage. And it doesn't matter what America or any other nation does, they cannot redefine what they never established. So just because something's legal in America does not make it lawful in the kingdom of God. So if there's two men that made an agreement with each other and went to a corrupt church and had a priest marry them, they're not married in God's eyes. Only a man and a woman with the sanction of the Lord is what marriage is. The enemy is constantly attacking marriages. So last time we got together, we did this. We talked about the perversion that I struggled with that attacked our marriage. And if you didn't listen to that or you didn't hear that or that's something you're struggling with, you can go listen to last year's Q&A on YouTube and you can hear that. Today, we wanna to talk about a different attack and then we're gonna talk about really, really strengthening your marriage. But we wanna make one of these attacks, we want you to be aware of it. And it's something that's a little subtle, but it's very damaging. And scripture says we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. And so with mainstream media, this is a massive attack that's coming against against marriages and it's comparison. Yes, it, it is, it's comparison and it's also listening to the unwise counsel of individuals around you regarding your marriage. And so everybody has opinions about everything these days. 
And so people will have opinions that are not operating in the spirit of God that is either your family members that can be pastors or spiritual leaders that can be close friends. That is, this person has been my friend for forever, over a decade, and it's a girl's weekend, and it becomes a bashing over your husbands because you begin to compare them to other individuals or what other marriages look like. Can I just say that everybody's strengths are different? Everybody's gifts are different. I mean, I cannot compare my husband to Seth and Josh Morrow that stinking cook up a really awesome meal and dinner. My husband can do a real mean peanut butter and Jay sandwich. <laughs> That's about it. But you have a lot of other gifts, babe, that you. I honor and I'm <laughs> grateful for. But this is a real thing is that I think that we begin to listen to what other people say is great about their spouse as if that has to make us feel bad about what our spouse doesn't do. And then we begin to have this opinion, oh, they're not doing this for me. They don't do that. And comparison comes in because we have listened to the opinions of others of what our marriages should look like. Can I tell you again, the truth and the foundation of your marriage should be the word of God. And we went through this early years of marriage where family members, spiritual leaders, and friends began to speak word curses. And we didn't realize that it was hap that they were word curses because obviously the enemy doesn't show up and be like, I'm about to speak a word curse over your marriage right now. That would be really easy to be like, okay, I'm not going to receive that. But we had these individuals that would come and begin to meddle in our marriage and tell Landon what I should be doing better as a submitted wife and questioning whether or not I was submitted. Then they would come to me and to begin to sow uh, words that he was abusive or that he was harsh or that he was doing these things. And the enemy came through individuals that were close to us that we thought we could trust that actually began to divide our marriage. And this was one of the, the hardest things about it is that we didn't realize that receiving these curse words, that they were going to hang on for years in our marriage and produce rotten fruit, that in arguments and fights, we begin to repeat these words over and over, holding each other accountable to curse words. It's really important that you are aware of the sources that are around you. Do not listen to marriage advice from unhealthy people. This is challenging because a lot of us are influenced by social media and you have no idea how healthy they are from their representative on social media. You got pastors, evangelists that have been divorced multiple times and are dysfunctional human beings, but have hundreds of thousands of followers. So people just follow and listen. And they have no idea how healthy an individual this is. Guys, this is so important that you have to guard your hearts from the sources and the words of people speaking into their marriages. There was a small group one time of a group of men, and they were talking about not sharing their struggle with their wife to not hurt their wives. I was like, you guys are dummies. 
And that's why you all have bad marriages and bad relationships because you're, you're liars and you hide things. You guys should all just break up. You're like a bad clique. None of you should talk to each other anymore. You're bad for each other. But you have to be careful and you don't realize it happens. It's just a fantasy football league of a bunch of guys and then conversation starts and then all of a sudden you start getting influenced by this and you do not realize that you're slowly being poisoned and that your marriage is being poisoned. And so some of you are gonna have to do some evaluations of what friends, what family members, what relationships, what social media is influencing your marriage. Give you one example. Um, I like watch following like investment stuff and, and, and you know, all that stuff from, from on social media and stuff. I, I, just, I just personally enjoy it. And on one investment account I, I follow, some guy was like, 10 keys for success. And one of the keys for success was never let a woman disrespect you ever under any circumstance. <laughs> Mixed into their success. That's like, that's his motto of how you be a successful guy. I'm like, that's how you be a prideful man. Where's the humility? Where's honor? Where's a soft answer? Where's gentleness? Where's fruit of the spirit? But you see what I'm saying? Like it could subtly be put in. And then the next time you're in a conversation that kind of turns squirrely with your spouse, like, don't talk to me like no one's going to talk to me. Like, and all of a sudden you turn into like Hulk smash. And it's like, whoa, like that's not necessary. Or you have, you got to pay attention. If you talk to one family member, or maybe you talk to your, uh, somebody and they speak something, all of a sudden you start changing your tone towards your spouse. That's something that's being spoken in. So we're gonna shift gears. You got one yeah, thing? I was just gonna say, we're gonna have time. The Lord showed us that there's gonna be a beautiful time that I believe those word curses are going to be broken and completely severed and healed today. So if you, if you are even recognizing right now as we are talking, the blood of Jesus covers and redeems, and I'm believing this morning that he's going to make us new in our marriages. Uh, the, the most beautiful thing, and we say this all the time, we have health boards and individuals and pastors and apostolic leaders, counseling, all of it that keep us accountable. And we have, we have said for the last few years, our marriage is the best it's ever been. Yeah. And so it's been consistent probably for the last five years where we keep saying every year our marriage is the best it's ever been. And um, we've been intentional in that. We've been very intentional, intentional about it. Intentional in building our it, marriage. It's not the best by accident. It's best because it's a priority. And so we're going to give you guys one of the things, and, and this was really cool because we didn't plan on doing this. It was kind of just spontaneous as we looked at our marriage, like, why does it keep getting stronger every year? And we've done something where we intentionally invest into our marriage. And so for the last uh, four years now, we have done a yearly marriage retreat. And this is really cool because... Not only do we go on a marriage retreat, but this year we're sending every one of our pastors of Mercy Culture on a marriage retreat. And so we took Heather and I's marriage retreat and we put it in a document. And then it like, I had this epiphany here a couple of weeks ago. I was like, hey, instead of just giving this to the pastors of our church, let's give this to the entire church. So we're gonna give you guys our personal marriage retreat. If you text marriage yeah. to 59090, it will be sent to you. And this is what Heather and I do. And this is very important. I just talked about investments and I'm into investments. This is one of the best investments you can do 
is to invest into your marriage. In fact, I would say there's probably not a better investment that you can make than invest into your marriage. And maybe you're in a season right now where finances are tight. I want, I want, you could do all of this and it doesn't cost anything. So we go away on a trip and we go away. You don't have to go away. You could do an in-stay marriage retreat. You could adapt it to make it work Just for you. Just make sure somebody is watching your kiddos. Yeah, you need to be alone. This is, for a marriage retreat to be successful, it is a no-kid retreat. Trust us on that one, okay? Now, this is where you need to get alone and have the time to make this investment. And so we're gonna talk about what the heart of the marriage retreat is, and we got about 10 minutes to get through this, and so we're gonna share what we do on our marriage retreat. So the purpose of this marriage retreat is to strengthen and fortify your marriage. It is to set apart, we said set apart on purpose so that hence kids, hence business, job, work, you are turning all of that off. Cell phones, emails, you are setting your social media, you are setting yourself apart for each other only to communicate, to build friendship, to enjoy one another with no distractions. And so we really love to encourage everybody, you turn off everything, responsibilities, and let each other be the only focus. It's a time to find in every area unity in your marriage. And then returning with peace, joy, and vision for your family's future. So the first thing that we do in our marriage retreat is we look to, we, we talk about, is there any part of unforgiveness between us? Is there anything that one of us is holding on to that we haven't forgiven? Or is there something that we're struggling with forgiving? And that's the first thing that we address, okay? So we go away, we spend this time away, and then part, the marriage retreat is a time where we're having multiple intentional conversations. Say intentional with me. Intentional. Okay, now I think this is funny. What's the joke you call our marriage retreat at first? Count the cost retreat. <laughs> okay, she calls it the count the cost retreat. <laughs> and so we, so I, I started this. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do on our marriage retreat. <laughs> we have six subjects, and we are going to rate each other <laughs> on a scale of one to ten on these topics. Ten being amazing, zero being lousy. Pastor Starr came to me after we gave this to her, and she goes, do you guys just want to kill each other doing that? Like you rate each other on a scale of one to 10 and you're not angry. And so I said, I want to pick a fight and then make up (laughs) joking. It's, it's really incredible that we opened up with authenticity and this is a gift because when you can go to this place in your marriage, it means no place can be untouched. And it's so beautiful when you can hear and receive from the other individual of what their needs are. And it's really breaks down again into serving one another or even another verse we're going to bring up in Matthew of submitting to one another. So you give, you give your rating, both of you guys give your rating, and then you say, what does it take in your opinion to get to a 10? So the goal is not to check each other. The goal is to have these conversations of what does it take for in this area of our life for us to be amazing. 
And then you begin to talk about it from both of your perspective and work through stuff. So the first topic that we talk about and we rate each other is how's our friendship? The first topic is friendship. And a, a lot of people make the focus of their relationship, especially at the beginning, about physical, when it really needs to be about your friendship and in growing as friends. And it's amazing that there's a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages that you're not good friends and you don't like being with each other and you don't want to hang out. But Heather and I are our best friends. We, you rate me a 10. What? Yeah, yeah. You rate me a 10. I'm this your year? best friend. You are. This year? What do you mean <laughs> this year? Sometimes this guy, I'll, I gotta sometimes I'll knock her down just to make her try a little harder. <laughs> Don't want her to get too puffed up in the head. Oh my God. Joking, joking, okay? Right back at you. <laughs> so we talk about our friendship. The next topic is intimacy. And this is where a lot of people find they're on different, on different levels here. And you hear this a lot. We got a lot of questions on, on when we ask for questions about what happens when someone doesn't have the same physical drive and stuff like that. Listen, it's not your job. You're not trying to dominate your spouse you're trying to find unity with your spouse. So one person's amazing 10 and another person's amazing 10 might be different ballparks. And what you're trying to talk about is how do I love and serve and support you? How do I be the best spouse to you? But here's the thing is it doesn't work when only one spouse is trying. But when you're both trying to love each other, honor each other, fulfill each other well, it's fantastic. One of the things that we discovered on our marriage retreat is I, I told Heather, I was like, there's such a spirit of seduction in the world. Yeah. And you, you can't watch the Super Bowl or, or an NFL without flashing to inappropriate commercials and things like that. And, and, and I'm very disciplined, uh, turning my eyes and turning away, but you can't help what's thrown in front of you. And I told her, I want you to seduce me. And she's like, no, uh. I'm like, yes. And she's I'm not, I'm not about to bring what's out there into my household. And I was like, well, so don't use a worldly word in here. The Bible says the word captivate. Song of Solomon 4, 9 through 10. Want to encourage the, the brides and the wives in the room. Verse 9 says, you have captivated my heart. My bride, you have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is my love, my treasure, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. And so uh, we have adopted the word captivation. Well, watch this. So when the enemy is trying to seduce your marriage, right. God already set up the beautiful version of it. That's right that you should be captivated by each other yes. and that's who's getting your full focus and your attention. So that was something that we found out as we had these conversation of getting ahead of every attack of the enemy. So this one might take you guys a while to talk through, so, but it's fun. Okay, number three, <laughs> three. is Dem your domestic relationship or your parenting, yeah. how are you functioning together as a team at home? You left that one to me, huh? Were you rating? You were excited about the intimacy one. You just went right in there. Well, you rated and me a five this like year. Silent. It was the He's only like, non-ten I got. You, sh you share on the domestic one. <laughs> that's because that's what that was your lowest grade this yeah, year. Yeah, it was my lowest. It wasn't low. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was my you only know, failing grade. Speaking, She's like, you're a horrible domestic partner. Speaking 
you know, to encourage, she didn't, she didn't to call empower me hard. She, she you brought me to another standard. Domestic relationship. We actually found out something. I was trying to get our kids to not be lazy. So she would be asking me to help with things. I'm like, the kids do it. The kids do it. The kids do it over and over and over. And she's like, why are you being lazy about this stuff? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not lazy. This is not a lazy bone in me. I don't want our kids to be lazy. So I'm putting their, th- them to work. And, and so, I'm redoing their work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I, 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 I'm like getting these kids like hustling at home. Like we are not having lazy children no matter what. And, and she's like, no, no, no. Like they're, they're, it's not getting done around here. This isn't helping me. You're actually creating more work for me. But it was something that was actually a real great irritation that we got to figure out as we talked about it. So how are you guys functioning together at home, parenting? And this is really important because we both work. And so it's not, we get home and I kick my feet up and, and she d- cooks dinner. It's, it's hands-on. Like well, what are the needs dinner. of the house? Yeah, you do. Because we already <laughs> dressed my cooking. It was actually strategic. <laughs> The fourth is work ministry relationship. So you're going to just begin to get to talk about uh, what what is work like, the communication. I feel like we already answered this question uh, pretty well. Number five is personal finances. Talking about budgets, vacations, retirement, dreams, life goals, and giving goals. This is so important because when you have this time set apart to communicate and pray and get on the same page, if you think about all of your arguments in life, we're hitting all of them. But if you get ahead and you're putting a plan and praying and in unity, I'm telling you this, what we're giving you this morning is going to be this launching pad to the best year of your marriage because you know, oh, we hit all of this. We have the plan here. We, we talked about um, you know, where we're at budget, where, what we wanna give to this year, what, what are our goals, what is retirement, what does a vacation look like instead of, well, I thought we were going to do a vacation. We don't have the money. We didn't save. We didn't do this. And then it blow, and it's a blow up fight, but we, our family should have a vacation. No, it's taking the time to talk through, get on the same page so you guys can plan and live in unity. It's shocking how many couples, one of the couple is in the dark with the finances. Yes. And it's really, really important that you guys are on the same page. And that you know what you're stewarding as a family together. Right. Even, even if one, one, one of the spouses is better with numbers, don't rob the other one of, of the ability to partner with stewardship. When Setting you, goals. When, when you give, that needs to be something where you guys come in unity together. And it's amazing how many people, when it's time to go and give to the Lord or do a heart for mercy, you're like, ah, I, I don't have something to give. And the reason why you don't have something is because you didn't prepare together to give. And so this is something where you can get in unity together and it will really strengthen your relationship. The last one is family relationships. And this is where you begin to evaluate from extended family and parents and different things like that. To talk about holidays and, 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 and where you're struggling and, and, and what areas need to be strengthened and fortified. This year we found something awesome where we found like that there was a, a relationship that we found ourselves irritated with. And as we begin to pray over this, we found out the Lord highlighted this same person mm-hmm. to fortify and strengthen the relationship and it made it to our list this year. And so again, what we're doing is we're, we're grading these, then we're talking about what takes it to get to a 10, and then we're designating 
intentional conversations to all of these topics. And what this does is this allows us to be so intentional with the main areas of our relationship so that we're getting stronger. Here's what we have found, is we found that after a marriage retreat, we'll run into something where we hit a snag or we get in an argument, or we get frustrated with each other, and both of us will point back to the marriage retreat to what we agreed on. Yes. And we said, hey, we said we are gonna be this. Hey, we said we're gonna do this. And when it was that great time and we had a fun few days together, we point back and then we get in unity again and say, yeah, you know what? We've had a bad day, or we've been frustrated, or we made a mistake, but this is who we're committed to be together. And what's wild is we got to look back every year at our notes. And we got to say what we said we would do, what we said we would be, the things that we said we would work on. And we've watched year after year after year as we've checked off almost everything on our list of areas that we said we would grow. And that's how we could stand before you with a pure heart, with honesty, and say this year our marriage is the best it's ever been because we're intentionally building it. So now we said it this year. So like last year, we're like, no, 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 we're gonna expand territory. We just get on the cusp of an argument. It's like, no, 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 we're gonna expand territory in our relationship. This year we're saying, no, 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 we're gonna strengthen and force. It's going to be the strongest it's ever been. Our trust is going to be the strongest it's ever been. Our unity is going to be the strongest it's ever been. And we're watching our relationship grow. Watch. And when this grows and gets stronger, everything in our life gets stronger. How many are ready for the strongest marriages you've ever had? Okay. We're going to transition. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Uh, I I want to say we did not address singles today. Singles, listen to what we talked about. Yes, prepare now. Prepare now for when you get married. And not only did we want to invest into every marriage, but one of our uh, values is generosity. And so we wanted to invest into specific marriages. And so is David and Michelle Mahoney in the room? David and Michelle? Are they in the room? Please stand up. Would you guys stand, wave your hands? So here's what we're doing. We're sewing a marriage retreat into you guys. And so someone's going to come and give you a free gift. We're going to pay their members of our serve team, both of them serve. So we're going to sow into your marriage and actually give you guys a marriage retreat to go away, all expenses paid, so you guys can work on your marriage. Thank you for serving at Mercy Culture and building this house. Can you give them a hand? Let's stand up together. If you have your... If you're with your spouse, would you just grab their hand? Hmm. Hmm. Let's pray. Lord, I pray your dunamis power over every marriage. I pray that you would strengthen and fortify them. Jesus, I pray. I come in alignment with the prophetic word that you gave. Lord, you said over this year, the attacks of the enemy that used to work on our marriage would no longer work. So I declare, ah, That scripture, the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. 
I pray the enemy's influence in your marriage is growing weaker and weaker. And the house of David, the house of worship, the houses of dunamis are growing stronger and stronger. Just squeeze your, your spouse's hand right now. I pray right now for the strongest marriage you've ever had. I pray right now for the most unified your marriage it's ever had. I pray right now for the greatest trust that you've ever had. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. I declare dunamis power over these marriages. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to stir. I pray right now, forgiveness begin to come and take effect. I pray right now, lies begin to break off. I pray curses begin to break off. I pray in Jesus' mighty name, your dunamis power over marriages. Husbands, wives, would you just go ahead and turn towards each other and just begin to pray over each other. Heather's going to just begin to minister over marriages. This is what I want you to do real quick. Just close your eyes. Mm. There was two moments that I felt that the Lord highlighted. And it was the lies or the things you have kept hidden from your spouse and then the word curses. I just want a moment with you and the Lord, even though you're facing and holding hands with your spouse right now, would you just close your eyes and pray for the Lord to search your heart and to search your marriage? Maybe some of those things have already come to heart, to mind. I pray that it is by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not the condemnation of Satan. In fact, I tell you, Satan, this morning, you are under our feet where you belong. You have no authority over our marriages any longer. So Father, I thank you with the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. Humility, in humility, we just uh, ask you to usher in to our memory and to our hearts, Father, those temptations, those things that we have kept hidden in shame, or in doubt, or thinking we were going to be rejected by you or by our spouse, would you just bring those to the forefront of our heart and our mind? Would you bring to the forefront of our heart and mind the word curses, the things that were spoken by friends, by spiritual leaders, by family members, by in-laws, Father, the opinions of man that came in through crevices, even as leaven, into our marriages, Father, that we have been repeating right now, would you bring those to the forefront? So this is what I saw happening in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you make us humble? Would you soften us right now? Would you just whisper in your spouse's ear, repentance for whatever those things are? Or I would even declare that this morning would be the last time that you would repeat that word curse. What is the thing that you need to repent for, that you partnered with, that you've been speaking over your spouse, it's a word curse. Many of us bring up generational curses over and over. Your mom does this, your dad is this, you're just like them. You do the same things. And what we are doing is we are declaring a generational curse over our spouse over and over. Would you just lean in in humility and just begin to repent to your spouse for saying those things or for keeping things from them? Holy Spirit, we thank you that the love of God is in this room right now love of God is in this room right now. I thank you that as 
you draw near Holy Spirit, you are drawing near spouses, Father. For those that are single in the room, would you just begin to pray for that future spouse, that future husband or wife? Would you begin to pray over those generational curses? Would you begin to pray and submit the generational curses that are in your life and begin to submit them to the Lord? So right now, Father, as there is a heart of repentance in the room, Father, we ask that you would draw near right now that your healing balm, that your oil would begin to pour out, that your healing oil would begin to runneth over our minds and over our hearts right now. We just declare, oil of God, run over that pride, run over that selfishness, run over those struggles, run over those generational curses right now. Oil of God runneth over husbands and wives are repenting I declare chains are breaking shame is breaking condemnation that have flowed from one another that it is breaking right now in the name of Jesus father I declare that anger has to bow right now unforgiveness and holding thing hold on holding on to things from our past I declare has to bow right now some of you, I just felt the Lord highlight that needs to repent for unforgiveness, that you have brought up things from years and years and years. Landon and I call this where we have built up, what's the word? Built up cases against each other. Where we build up cases to try to win an argument and we have used previous things against each other. This is sin, church. So Father, right now, the cases that we have built up, oh Jesus, you came in and you gave your life when we should have been the one in the hot seat in that courtroom because of our sins, but you gave your all, you gave your life, you poured out your blood so that we didn't have to pay the price. Father, I even pray right now as husbands and wives, as the bridegroom and the bride, would you begin to release right now the bridegroom's heart into every man in this room right now, that we would be able to wipe the slate clean through through forgiveness, through redemption and what you did on Calvary, Father, we ask right now, release the bridegroom's heart. Release it also to the bride, Father. Oh, I feel his heart in the room. Oh, show us who you are, all of who you are, how you love us, how you lead us, how you forgive us. Father, I pray for those gifts to be released in this room right now. Wipe the slate clean, Jesus. I felt in this moment that there's many husbands that you need to repent to your wives for not spiritually leading the way you should. And this isn't, uh, you're bad. This is, I feel the Lord, I need to do better. So I, I'd encourage you, just, just let her hear your voice. Let her hear you just whisper to it. Just say, I repent for not leading the way that I should. 
Wives, this is a great moment to respond. Lead, lead, just tell them in faith, lead, lead me, lead our families. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just strengthen and fortify us right now. Yes. Okay, here I feel we're supposed to do two, two final things. Husbands, you start. Yes. But I want you to just begin to invite the Holy Spirit into your marriage right now. Just invite him in. Just, just out loud, just say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you. You're welcome in our marriage. Wife, begin to repeat the words of your husband as they do it. Just begin to do it together. We declare that you're welcome here. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome in our house. Say your address. Say your children's names. You're welcome with us right now. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our marriage. We say, come, come be glorified be magnified come on start praying we pray this pray your dunamis power we pray the dunamis power of God I feel the Holy Ghost right now over our marriage over our minds over our hearts over our families come on church right now pray dunamis husbands and wives do it together pray dunamis now I heard this I feel like this God's gonna do something sweet in this moment Right now, would you just pray mercy over each other? Would you just pray mercy? Undeserved kindness. I pray your mercy. I pray our marriage would be known for mercy. Ah, Lord, would you make our marriage a mercy culture? A culture that reflects your mercy. So, Lord, would you do miracles in this moment? Would you soften hearts? We pray any walls that we build up, you would tear down. I pray right now that this word, this moment would fall on good soil. And the enemy will not steal it. This is really cool. As you're holding hands right now, I saw a hedge of protection coming around you guys. And I feel in the year of dunamis that you're gonna see beautiful fruit. There was even part of a fruit, a prophetic word, fruit would remain. This is a part of that prophetic moment. I pray fruit would remain from this moment in Jesus' mighty name. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 